The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. How American principles change the world. Why for the first time I'm worried about your future. America's history of sacrifice. And U.S. debt grows by near record levels. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to Blaze, where you come for the accent, but stay for the principles. I have a jam-packed show for you today, and I want to talk to you about a few things, but I want to start today's show by apologizing, because I'm going to annoy you today. Because we need to have a heart-to-heart. If you're a long-term listener to this show, or if you're a long-term follower of mine, or a friend of mine, and you've read my writings, or you've seen where I've appeared and done videos, I think you know, or I hope you know, I am very positive about your country. I truly love your nation. And I've always said, and I believe it even to this minute, even though we're having going to have a very serious conversation today, I firmly believe that there is no problem that you face right now that you cannot fix. I am truly inspired every day by your nation. The more I read about your nation, the more I learn about your nation, the more inspired I am. It's very rare if you, if you ever find someone or you find something that you fall absolutely head over heels in love with. And then as you get to know that, that person or that subject more and more, you become more and more enthralled in, by it, you know, obsessed nearly. America is that for me. It really is. You are so, such a wonderful nation. And your principles and your founding are so remarkable. If, every time I research for different things... I find something new that I am amazed by. You have changed the world. Not your government, not your president, not your Congress, not your, well, George Washington did, but not George Washington, the president. Your people have changed the world. I always say this, but, you know, it's time to really delve into it and just remember that if you take any section of society, don't let me influence you. Take any section of society, travel, communications, medicine, standard of living, hobbies, lifestyle, agriculture, food, entertainments, you know, uh, standard of living, length of life. You take any aspect of life and look at it from the year 0 AD or take any year you want. 0 AD until 1880 and look at the advancements in that 1800 years depending on what part of society you look at you don't see many advancements society didn't advance they still travel the same way they still had the same jobs they had the same equipment they had the similar lifestyles medicine was the same there was some small advancements sure but not otherworldly advancements 
Then you take 1800 AD to 2018, 218 years. Look at how much we have changed. Just take, look, just look at your house for a second. Things that you wouldn't have had prior to America. Indoor plumbing. Electricity. The internet. Computers. Lights. Television. Cable television. Pictures. Whiteboards. Pen and paper. Telephones. Medicine beyond your wildest dreams. You know, in, our, in most medicine ca- cabinets that y'all have in the place, you usually have some pain pills. You know, if you have a migraine, we have common access to them. You know, I get allergies an awful lot. I always have allergy medication. Because I suffer with, with different joints and I'm going through injuries, I have this cream, it's called Ibru Gel. I can get that in the local pharmacy. It's basically an anti-inflammatory gel. I go down and I pay for it. I get into my car with gasoline. These are all the things that have come about since the founding of America. The reason your nation founded was founded on a set of principles that is different, that is exceptional, that is so otherworldly. Even in this day, even if there was a new country tomorrow founded in the middle of the ocean. Let's say there is a part of this world that, just imagine for a second. Because we've gone to the moon. We have satellites orbiting in our sky, so we, we can pretty much tell where there's land masses. But let's say all of a sudden tomorrow, a land mass is formed in some ocean, Pacific Ocean or the Asian Ocean or the, the Atlantic, and a new country is formed. Even it, to this day, the foundation of that country, the chances are it would follow the UN, it would follow Ireland, it would follow democracy, it would not follow the views of your founders. You find, find America in 2018, it is still exceptional because no other nation has truly got us. They have not understood what is exceptional about America. Why is America an exceptional nation? Because your founders understood some under basic human nature principles that belong to nature's law, nature's God, that are consistent forever. What are they? Man is meant to be free. Man is meant to be free and man is not meant to be controlled. Government should be extremely limited in power. And when there is a role for government, government works best when it's closest to the people. And each man, each woman, each person born has certain God-given unalienable rights that belong to the laws of nature and nature's God. Some of those rights are the right to free speech, the right to protect yourself, the right to assemble, the right to petition your government, the right to not be told, sit down and shut up. You don't have that right. You have a right to speak your mind. But you also have a right to pursue your happiness. Whatever makes you happy, you have a God-given right to pursue it. And no one has a right to say, no, you can't. That is the idea of America. And when you pursue your happiness, if you are successful at pursuing your happiness and you get a monetary reward, you have a right to keep the fruits of your labor. Why is it that those little simple ideas 
are not echoed anywhere else in the world, bar from your founding fathers. Why is that? Because America is an exceptional nation and every other nation does not believe this. Man believes elsewhere that man is meant to be controlled. That we need some ruling class to say what you can do, what you can't do, when you can do it, what's okay. And we'll hide it under the guise of democracy where 50% plus one person who decides to vote on a certain day in a certain election will give people power to tell you how to live. Man is meant to be free. Government is not limited anywhere else in the world. I know we can make an argument it's not really limited in America in 2018. We can make that argument. You have violated the Constitution so many times, which we'll come back to later on in this show. And you're doing again. But this idea, this idea that you are meant to be free, and that you, we are all individually different... Look, I get it. I can talk about it. I am individually in a very small minority. I love speaking to people. In, t- in fact, many of the times I'm happiest is when I'm in front of a crowd talking about the thing I love, arguably more than anything else in this world, America and your founding fathers. I am in a very statistical minority because most people go, you know, public speaking. No, I'd never do that. But I have that right to pursue my happiness. It makes me happy. Helping other people makes me happy. Being a voice, even though people don't like what I say at times, makes me happy. It's my calling. This may not be anybody else's calling. You may want to be a doctor. You may want to go create the next piece of IT. You may want to go live on Mars. That's what makes us unique. It makes us different, and that is to be celebrated. But you have a right to pursue your happiness and keep the fruits of your labor. Why did this change the world? Because before before the idea of America, there wasn't any incentive to advance as a culture. Because you all lived under tyranny, under a despot. Why work hard? Why put yourself out there? Why put your family out there into the mainstream to possibly fail on an invention? Just take the job. Be the farmer. Be the average person. Don't, you know, don't create any waves. Don't create any undue attention to yourself. There was no incentive to be better. Because if you went out and made something, you wouldn't get to keep the fruits of your labor. There's a chance there was a king somewhere who would see your invention and go, Oh, that's a great invention. That's now mine. But because I'm a benevolent king and I'm such an awesome king, you can come work for me. But I get to keep the fruits of your labor. I get to keep the fruits of your invention. This idea of being able to pursue your happiness is what changed the world. People were able to drag themselves out of the coattails. How many times do you hear rags to riches stories in America? People who had nothing now all of a sudden have a lot. This idea that, you know what? You can do anything. I know this is not popular in social media and in certain victimhood classes today. But you can. There is, is there racism in the world? Yes, there will always be racism. As long as we are breeding, there will always be someone telling you, you can't do something. There will always be those who say to you, sit down, shut up. And why? 
Why should you say, well, you don't come from the right class, or you don't belong to the right religion, or you don't have the right background, or you don't have the right pedigree, or you don't have the right family lineage? People will always judge you. There will always be racism in the world. I hate to break this to some people. There will always be some type of discrimination. There will always be some reason to hate you, to drag you down, to put you in your place. It may be race, it may be religion, it may be your sexuality. There will always be reasons to pull you down. But this idea that you should ignore the naysayers. Why did I create the hoodies I created? Yes, it was to raise money for Mercury One. But it was because of the message involved. A history of America is making the impossible possible. That is your history, not mine. I wish I could claim that is my history. If I ever get to the day where I'm an American, where I can say I have an American passport, I have a right to say, I have the privilege to say, I am an American. You think I talk and I'm vocal? Now, my God, you wait till that day. Because I will then be able to say, this is my history. I changed the world. Our people changed the world. People like George Washington, Ben Franklin, John Adams. Countless of men and women who risked everything for this idea. To be able to say, I'm an American. To say, yes, my lineage, I may not have the DNA because I, was bo- I wasn't born into an American family. But I am part of the American family now because I legally emigrated. To say that part of my family sacrificed and changed the world that part of my family went to the moon part of my family created the car created one of the greatest economies ever seen part of my family wrote the declaration of independence that is not my history god willing one day it will be that is your history these principles changed the world It changed America. It is why you're exceptional. But every other country has benefited from them. Even even socialist utopias like Ireland have benefited from them. Things have got better. Our standard of living has got better. But all those principles are great. All those principles are truly wonderful. They are awe-inspiring. They are great to read about. But there is one thing that makes America even more exceptional. It is the glue that binds those principles together. And that glue is your people. That glue is your people. It is why I finish the show each and every week the way I do. Because if you listen to me for an hour or 90 minutes and you hear the principles and the stories that we discussed, and if it all goes over your head or you don't care, the last thing I want you to hear me say is America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. You are the secret sauce. You are the glue that makes America that exceptional nation. The principles are wonderful. The principles are your foundation. But it is your people that are the glue. I firmly believe. Because I have seen it with my own eyes. And I am testifying to you today. That your people are good. That if 
I still believe, maybe I'm wrong, but I still believe if an American and an American society sees real good and real bad, they will always choose real good. That is why you are an exceptional nation. I firmly believe it because I have witnessed it with my own eyes. I saw on TV 9-11, one of the most historically bad days in your history. A day the whole world stopped and said, my God, what's happened? This is wow. And that country I knew, those people I knew on 9-12 showed the world the America I know existed. I saw people just getting rid of all the garbage in their life, all the politics, whether you're left or right or black or right or witch or poor, male or female, gay or straight, all that baloney went aside. For that snapshot moment in time, you again were Americans. I witnessed it with my own lies last year. Last September, I spent, I think, 26 days in your country doing a speaking tour. I visited, I think, 10 or 11 different states. And I gave 16 different presentations to different groups. From really rich to really, not really poor, but poorish. From young to old. From college student to senior people. I, saw, I was in democratic states. I was in republican states. I was in conservative states. I was up and down. I saw your people. Your people are still good. I witnessed it with my own eyes as I traveled to Texas last year. When I when I was traveling to Texas, it was right after the horrific hurricane hit Houston. I got to see people. I got to talk to people who were on the ground helping. I got to meet a gentleman who was so humble. To this day, still won't let me tell who it was. And I respect his honesty and his integrity and will never tell who it is. But I met a man who was struggling for work. Who was struggling for money. He was struggling so much he had not paid his electricity bill I think in about two months. Had no electricity in his own house. This man struggling for work, struggling for money, no electricity in his house. Got in his truck, whatever few bob he had whatever few dollars he had, he bought gas and put it in drums, went down to Houston and gave that gas and went to help. That is who you are. That is who you are today. Things have not changed that much in 365 days. You are still that people. You are still that wonderful people. Just it's sad right now that it takes a natural disaster or a really bad event for you all to come together. When we come back, I want to talk to you about why I'm really afraid for your future. Because what is happening right now, and I'm going to talk to you about politics. Because something is happening in your politics right now, and if you don't respond the right way, I fear for what will happen. I fear for the future. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.
The country has been pushed to the limit. Our political bonds have been torn apart. We need a true leader who can save us from certain doom. (laughs) Unfortunately, we could only find this guy. Hey, it's Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. For tickets, VIP packages, and more, visit glennbeck.com. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on social media, pretty active. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Please keep, uh, you know, follow me, send me a friend request, drop me a message. I love engaging with you. I love hearing from you. Even when you tell me I'm wrong, I love engaging with you. And 90% of the time or 95% of the time, it's a respectful debate. And I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to hopefully inspire you a bit and hopefully get you to think and find out where you stand on the issues yourself. So why right now am I really worried about your nation? What has happened in the last week That has made me really worry about where you're going. I know people, I don't talk about politics. I don't care what happens in D.C. I try and make everything about principles. I'm not your team guy. But certain things have happened in D.C. in the last week that I want to talk to you about. And how you respond is absolutely critical. You know, to show you how bad things are in D.C., I'm want Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. I said I'd vote against him. I don't believe he's an originalist. I don't like some of his rulings. It's a pure constitutional thing with me. But the guy is getting railroaded. I watched last week, and I did this show, and we broke down some of the principles. But what is happening right now, and I don't want to go over the Brett Kavanaugh case too much, but what is happening is a guy is getting railroaded. In case you've been living under a rock or you're a new follower to this show, let me be state this for the one millionth time. When it comes to something like rape, I am an extremist. I am in, the, I'm in less than 1% of the population. I have zero time for it. I think it is the worst thing you can do to someone. I believe if you rape someone and you rape people, as in plural people, I believe you should be castrated. I also believe that the victim... Or a family member of the victim should be put in a room with you for five minutes. No sound, no audio to do what they want. No questions asked. The reason, I I admit I'm an extremist on this. The reason is because rape is bad. Rape is bad. It is the worst thing I think you can do. I actually think it's worse than killing someone. Because when you die, it's over. You go to paradise or nothing happens. You find out if God is real or not. Or when you rape someone, they live with that fear, that shame for the rest of their lives. It alters their path in life. And I don't think it's ever something you truly get over. So I'm in the vast minority. You can't call me weak on this issue. I think it is very serious. Watching last week and watching what is happening about this Brett Kavanaugh nomination is disgusting to say this is the biggest disgrace 
I, I honestly, it's so bad. I don't know what I was researching history this week. I'm like, what is as bad as what's happening to Brett Kavanaugh right now? And I couldn't find anything. With the exception of like, you know, major days like the assassination of JFK was a really bad day. But, you know, in terms of politics, the only thing I could think of that matches this is Charles Sumner. That is the only thing. And now I'm no expert. So if there's stories, please, you know, tweet me. But I was re- as I was researching, I'm like, the only story I can think of that's worse is Charles Sumner. Who, conf- you know, said the, the states were sleeping with the horror of slavery. And then basically got, got his brains bashed in on the Senate floor. Nothing, nothing was done. With the exception of that, I don't think there has been more despicable actions by, your D- by DC. It is truly horrific. So let's talk about the principles involved. Last week I did the show and we spoke about Miss Blase Ford. I actually feel sorry for her in some ways. Because the Democrats held this information for 45 days. Did nothing. People met with Brett, Brett Kavanaugh. Said nothing. Could have met with the GOP. Said nothing. And then right at the last minute they do this. They have given her bad advice. They gave her, told her to get a lawyer, and then the lawyer they advised to give her was told to give her a polygraph. Not actually sit down with someone who can actually, you know, go through the interview process. Not in five-minute increments like you saw in D.C. last Thursday, but an actual proper interview with someone who is there to, to recount their story. The sad thing is, what's happening right now is this guy is getting railroaded. And even though, as I'm recording this on Thursday evening, all the stories, that sh- all the allegations that sh- has been made by both Miss Ford and other people have major holes inside them. The media is like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Democrats are, it doesn't matter. Even though they called for an FBI investigation, every second question it felt like last Thursday was, well, would you support an FBI investigation? They got the FBI investigation. The FBI investigation has pretty much come back with nothing. Still not happy. Then the big bombshell this week. The big bombshell. I was so, honestly, excuse my French, I was so pissed off at this story when I read it. I was so annoyed at it that I was actually... I was so angry because it was so ludicrous. I actually do what I tend to do in my personality and my quiet time is when something is so outrageous, I tend to mock it. I I don't know what it is. I've got this personality that when things get really bad, I'm actually really, I've actually got a really bad personality because I'm the, I'm sometimes inappropriate. So when something bad happens, I, my personality will click and just try and make a joke out of it will try and do something outrageous. So I read this story about the big allegation, the big gotcha. This is going to change Brett Kavanaugh. This is going to change your opinion on it. And it was even discussed on on CNN for about 20 minutes. was apparently he threw ice in a bar. So I was like, this is media. This is the culture you're living in. Are you serious? This world has major problems. You have Russia advancing. You have North Korea with nukes. You have Iran going through major changes right now because of the sanctions and different rulings been happening in the UN on Iran. We'll get to that later on. You have the economy. You have the debt. You have DC. 
You have all these issues that you could be focusing on. And your big gotcha was, wow, Brett Kavanaugh, he threw ice in a bar. Really? I was so angry at this. My sarcastic side came out and I went, you know, I got to make an apology, you know, because I want to get to America one day. And, you know, I, I was involved in a food fight when I was a teenager after a match. <gasps> that was the allegation. Why am I worried? The Democrats are showing that there is no bar. They are showing to a new low each and every day. And I'm not here to talk sides or Democrats or Republicans. As we'll talk about later on in the show, the Republicans are no great thing either. But here's the thing. The Republicans, or sorry, the Democrats are showing that there is no bar too low. They will do anything to stop this guy. They will do anything to get power. It doesn't matter whether you lie or not. I'm watching people in your media because people are sending me, my God, did you see this video? Did you see this video? Thank you for all those, by the way, but it, I, I can't watch all of them because I literally will poke my eyes out where, you know, it doesn't matter whether he's guilty or not. It's, he's white. You know, women need to be believed, but he's white, so let's get him. I saw all these commentaries where people are saying, well, look, you know, Trump did it. I was thinking it was Stephen Colbert said this. You know, look, you know, Trump did it and y'all had no problem with it. So now it doesn't matter where Kavanaugh is, is guilty or not. He's just paying the prices for Trump. Really? This is the world you want to live in? You want to live in a world with no due process? You want to live in a world where it doesn't matter whether you're innocent or guilty? It's just with who you're associated with? Wow. Be very careful of that world. Because that world scares the ever-living crap out of me. And I'll be honest with you. The Democrats are showing there is no low bar. Their behavior in the media is disgusting. It is vile. It is reprehensible. It is unprofessional. It is calculating in the most devious ways possible. You're seeing mob justice happening right now but here's why i'm potentially very scared i'm scared and worried because when people see what the democrats are doing the reaction the human reaction will be let's fight back let's fight back now i saw this with several people last week i saw jerry faldwell tweets christians or sorry conservatives and christians need to stop electing nice guys they might make great christian leaders but the new u.s needs street fighters i saw charlie kirk the only way to thwart the sinister left is to punch back twice as hard and i saw lindsey graham give a warning to the democrats that if this is the new norm you better watch out for your nominees. Do I understand those reactions? Absolutely. Absolutely I understand them. It's human nature to, to respond. It is human nature. When you see something that is really, really vile and reprehensible, to want to respond. But here's the thing. It will not work it will not work if you follow this path of anger of hate of division 
The Democrats are starting it, but it's how you respond that will make and decide how America's future is decided. Because if you respond and understand why Jerry Falwell and Charlie Kirk and Lindsey Graham are saying these things and embrace them and support them, what's going to happen? Is your country is going to get more and more divided and you're going to be on sides. And I can tell you for a reason this doesn't work. I can tell you this is not from a principal point of view. This is from a historic point of view. If you go down this path where you just are they're the problem we need to stop electing good guys we need to start getting street fighters and we need to punch back twice as hard that's already been played in this world gang that's been played in the french revolution the french revolution which many americans thought was a good thing like thomas Paine. they're just like us they talk about liberty and and freedom as well they they're just like us didn't understand the third key tenet of the french revolution brotherhood It is why America and France are different, why the revolutions are different. One spoke about brotherhood and other spoke about e pluribus unum, out of many one. If you go down that path and you go down this path of anger, of getting back at each other, as punching back is twice as hard, here's what's going to happen. They will seek to beat you. It will turn into left versus right or Republicans versus Democrats, whatever side you all name each other. And you just seek to destroy each other. France, it ended with the guillotine. If you study history, again, this is a question I'd love you to answer. And if you have if you have an answer, share it with me on social media. Read the French Revolution. Can you tell me who the good guys and who the bad guys were in France? Can you can you tell me? Who were the clear good guys? Who were the revolutionaries? Who were the Yankees? Who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Who? Because as I read that story, I don't see any good guys. I don't... You could... Let's not debate French revolutionary history right now, but you can make the argument both sides were bad. But it all became brotherhood. It's my side is better than your side. What did I speak about at the start of this show? About victimhood. People will always find a reason to put you down. It may make sense. It may make no sense. But people will always find ways to tell, hey, you're different to me. You vote different to me. You're a different race. You're a different gender. You are a different class. You have a different education to me. It's all part of the same pool. It just has different words and different meanings. But you're finding ways you're different. And different so that you cannot coexist. These principles fail. There's a reason in your country... Let's talk to you about your country for a second. This is not the American way of doing things. The American way of doing things. There is a reason to this day. You all have a saying that even modern day people use. But I guarantee you most young people haven't got a clue why they say it. It's you're a Benedict Arnold. How many times do you hear that saying? Don't be a Benedict Arnold. Don't be a Benedict Arnold. It's ingrained in your culture. Even though they haven't got a clue who Benedict Arnold was, what he did was so egregious, why he did it. Nobody knows the backstory. Well, sorry, not nobody. If you read history books, you can find it. If you Google it, I'm sure you'll find the story. I know the story and I've shared it many times. This, But young people probably use it and they don't know it. It's ingrained in your culture. You must act with honor. 
But even on the, the heels, Martin Luther King won and Malcolm X lost. Why? Why is that? Because the pictures the American people saw true good and true evil and pick good. That's what you do. That is your history. Where Malcolm X was preaching violence was let's punch back. Let's get the whitey. Let's get whitey. It's our turn now. Martin Luther King was walking arm in arm peacefully across a bridge. You want more proof? You want more proof about how I know American, the American way of life is better and it needs to be followed? Martin Luther King, even today, people who don't read history have heard the following phrase, I have a dream. Everyone can say Martin Luther King, I have a dream. They probably can't name anything else to happen in that speech. They probably can't tell you where the speech happened, when it happened, or who turned up to the speech. Martin Luther King in Washington, D.C. gave a speech, I have a dream speech, that's become famous. How many people were there that were white? You very rarely hear this stat anymore. It used to be widely proclaimed until America decided it was racist and everyone was racist. The stat is 25% of people who turned up to that day, roughly, were white. Why did 25% of white people turn up to listen to a black pastor speak about civil rights they already had? Because he told them what they were for. And made it about America. Not about black versus white, but about America. That is why Martin Luther King won and you lost. Or Martin Luther King won and Malcolm X lost. You have option one. You can choose the path to hatred. You can choose the hate path to anger. And you can follow the French revolutionary principles. It is the very human course to do. It is a course that has been tried time and time again. Or you can pick option two. Option two is the principles of America. Option two is by going in the footsteps of your founding fathers. And specifically right now, your declaration of independence. Right now, you have a choice. Man's law or nature's law. Today in politics, everyone is not following the Declaration of Independence. And it is something that needs to be followed to a T. Right now, you're going to make it all about sides if you choose left versus right or Democrats versus Republicans. Your founding fathers did not do that. Because what does left versus right teach you? Democrats hate Republicans. You see that in your media. That is portrayed time and time again. It's on social media, it's on media, it's in politics. Republicans hate the Democrats and Republicans hate the media. Everyone can tell what they don't like. Everyone is great at telling you, I don't like this. You annoy me. You frustrate me. Your founding fathers were so wonderful that they had 27 issues with the king. They really did. Read them, they're in the Declaration of Independence. But before they got to it, they said what they are for. They told you exactly what they were for. They told you they were for all men being created equal. Life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And government been limited. The battle today, whether you like it or not, is not left versus right or Republicans versus Democrats or liberal versus conservatives or any other battle. 
It is the same battle that your founders fought. It's the same battle that people who are living 200 years from now will hopefully have the opportunity to fight. That battle is liberty versus tyranny. Liberty versus tyranny. Your founding principles was not about left versus right or anti-British. It was about liberty. The reason I know this is because if you were just anti-British and anti-getting out of the Union, you would have done what Ireland did and so many other countries did. Ireland fought a revolution. Get out of Britain. Home rule. You hated Britain. You got rid of Britain. They got them out of their country and then you took some of their rules or all of their rules. The laws of man. You had a great democracy. America was different because you charted a new course forward. You're exceptional because you told the world what you were for. And then you went and worked first. You had the Declaration of Independence as your roadmap. Then you built the Constitution. And then you wrote the Bill of Rights. The battle today is liberty versus tyranny. Or if you want to make it even bigger. Nature's law versus man's law. These are the battles. It's not left versus right. Because if you make it about sides. Here's the thing. If you make it about sides. There is no right or wrong. It's just we're better than them. The story I'm going to talk to you about. What's happening in DC after this. I'll just prove it to you. But your founders weren't done in your declaration of independence. Because they signed each off your documents. With your lives, your fortunes and your sacred honor. They understood honor is sacred. We must be people who act with honor. Honor is sacred. There is a reason people like me. There is a reason an Irishman 240 years later is talking about George Washington being the greatest man who ever lived. There is a reason I share stories of John Adams. Of the Boston Massacre. There is reason I share stories of Thomas Paine, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson. There is reasons for that. Because while they are not perfect, they acted the best that they could. Here's why I'm scared. Let me get real with you. I truly believe the American people, when they see good and when they see evil, they will choose good. This path last week, the Democrats started this. I'm not denying that. But don't let the Democrats define how you act. How you act should be defined because it's right and because it's what you believe. Not because someone else started something. My fear is, is if you start retaliating and you go into the the fear and the anger and let's just punch them back. Who will be the people fighting for good? Who will be the voice of principles? Who will be the reminder of what you are for? Limited government. Fiscal responsibility. Man is meant to be free. Man is meant to pursue their happiness. My fear is if you get into this angry stage, the most Americans will just look at it and kind of go, one side wants to beat the other up and one side wants to beat the other, beat them up in revenge and in, in retaliation. I'm for neither of them. And what happens? This path is not easy and I'm going to talk to you about this path. Because a lot of people will confuse what I'm saying right now with giving up. I'm going to address that after this break. But before we go into this break, I want you to reflect on a couple of questions. 
If the Democrats' actions are truly egregiously bad, which they are, I believe, why would you follow them and act like them? Why would you go down to their level? Second question. Are principles trail mix? The principles your founding fathers talked about, are they trail mix? Can you pick and choose the times you use them? Or are principles eternal and to be used regardless of the outcome? And here's the question I ask you, which causes a lot of my fear. If everyone in America becomes about teams and abandons your founding principles just to win this battle, because you're going to start seeing this all over the media again. This is the most important election of your lifetime. The most important election of your lifetime. It's the most important election since 2016. And in 2020, because eventually after November, because you're all going to the polls like in, what, four or five weeks? A couple of weeks after that, maybe the start of the new year, you're going to start seeing it roll up to 2020. And that's going to be the most important election of all time. It's always this hype. This election is the most important election of your lifetime. <gasps> oh my God. If everyone is caught up in that and everyone abandons your founding principles just to win this battle, who will stand for them? And if no one is willing to stand for those founding principles, how can they survive? How, how does the founding principles not end up on the ash heap of history like every other idea? Good or bad? Because no one used it. I don't know about you. I'm not fighting left versus right. I'm not involved in that. I have no interest in it. I have no dog in that fight. When it comes to principles, when it comes to freedom, when it comes to the constitution, when it comes to just leaving people the hell alone, that's my fight. I'm there all day long. 365, I don't take and I don't take just what every election every two years or every four years. 365247. I will be on that hill fighting. Because with me, it's never personal. It's always about the principles. I'm going to address when I come back after this break. There are people who will hear this message yet again and will hear that John is giving up and John is laying down. This is a message I want to I want to talk to you about because I can guarantee you it's not true. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. A democratic socialist is just plain socialist. The democratic part was added by Vladimir Lenin. Why? Because he was worried that calling his economics either socialist or communist would turn off the Russian people. Pat Gray. So he thought they'd be more comfortable if you threw the word democratic in there. Just go ahead and elect me. I'll be your ruler for life. Pat Gray. Weekdays noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America Before we get to the next part of the show I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who's ordered through the the website uh, New hoodies and t-shirts 
in case you're a new listener, um, we started this new project about about a month ago, I think, um, to designing great hoodies. Um, there's a new hoodie out this week. Um, never personal, always principles, because that's who I am. It's never personal. I'm, I'm not here to defend or attack anyone. I'm here to talk about ideology. I'm here to talk about ideas. I'm here to talk about principles. That is who I am. And we have two great, uh, there's t-shirts, there's long t-shirts, there's male t-shirts, female t-shirts, there's hoodies, there's kids t-shirts, um, with America making the impossible possible since 1776, and never personal, always principles. Um, we do them, I think the t-shirts start at like 12 or 13.95, and the hoodies start at 29.95. All the profits are going to Mercury One, because they're doing great work and they need it. But I'm, I'm doing it through the free market to give you a great product at a great price, um, but also to do it to talk about charity. So please consider checking it out. Please place an order. They're great gifts, great for yourself, great for a loved one, great for an early Christmas present. So please check it out. We're going to have more designs in the run-up to Christmas, but please, please um, consider checking it out. It's freedomsdisciple.com slash store. Everyone who's got them, if you go to my social media accounts, you'll see pictures who have got people who have ordered and who have got them and who have kindly modeled them for themselves wearing my shirts, which is, it is on a small personal, it is kind of cool seeing people model my designs. So it's really cool. So thank you to everyone who's done that. I want to talk to you about principles. And this is where I really want to have a heart-to-heart with you. And I'm going to say a couple of things that are going to make you very uncomfortable. But I think they need to be said. I've said quite a few of them in this show. There are people, because what I have said today is not new. I have said this for a long time. But when I talked about this, and when I talk in these tones, and in this message, a lot of people, here's what they hear. So John doesn't want us to fight back, John doesn't want street fighters, John wants to be a Christian, a nice guy, you'll lose, you'll get slaughtered, just give up. That is what people hear. Or that I just want to lead you all to lambs to the slaughter. Invariably one of those two messages is what I hear people think I say. First off, honest question. Go back and listen to the first half of this show. I don't think I have been this passionate for this long in a show. I tend to be very cool, calm, and collected. My cheeks are roaring red. I am like a cherry right now. Is that someone who sounded like they're willing to give up? Is that someone who sounded like they were willing just to lay down and die? The tone of my voice and the passion inside of that voice. Is that someone who thinks it's over? Because if you'd... Wow, I don't know what you heard. Maybe it sounded different to you, but in my head, and as I was talking about it, that wasn't someone who was ready to give up. That's someone who was just getting started. I am not telling anyone to lay down and give up. I am telling you to look at how you think, look at how you act, and start fighting the way your history has fought, the way your founding fathers fought, the way people who truly changed society fought, to avoid lessons and mistakes from other countries who indulged in the behavior of man's law. Of sides of brotherhood. Now invariably when I bring up e pluribus unum. 
someone will always say, John, these Democrats, there is no unum with them. The people who are in D.C., let me be blunt. What you need to do, if I may suggest a course of action for you, you need to step and make a clear distinction between the folks in D.C. who are around D.C. and the American people. Look, when it comes to D.C. and your politics and your politicians, there are very few people of good character. They don't exactly live a good life. You know, I heard Ben Shapiro say rightly this week, he made a joke, but if someone ever wanted to win a Pulitzer Prize, just go hang around Congress's bar. Because you'll find amazing things. And it's true. Your politicians are not exactly the people who you would say, you know what, let's hold them up as someone to live their life. The media? Please. They're even worse. And on this is on both sides, by the way. This isn't a left-right thing. I say this on both sides. The media? The media twist themselves into pretzels. A large chunk of the media twist themselves into pretzels and what they don't cover and what they're silent on is rather telling as well those who are hanging around dc as activists and lobbyists they're all paid to be there you see these reports and i've never looked into them so i don't know how how much truth there is to them but these are paid protesters but even if they're not paid they're there just to be around to get their five minutes of fame to get their 15 minutes of fame. They're to be part of a, you know, a big, you know, social media push. If you're basing your idea of the American people on someone you see on TV, I hate to say this, but you're doing it wrong. If you're basing your opinion of the American people on social media and on those who are the most vocal, you're doing it wrong. The vast majority of people... And maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm just blessed with people who are friends who listen to this show. And people I... Can, I don't consider you my audience or my listeners. I consider you my friends. You're my family. The amount of people who message me to discuss things privately is wonderful. And I've had more substantive conversations because of that. Because if you have them in public, everyone gets involved. It becomes a free-for-all. Whereas when you actually have honest conversations, even when we disagree, and there are people who listen to this show who disagree with me quite a lot, they actually email me, and they're going to go, okay, you talk about this in segment one, this is where you're wrong, in segment two, this is where you're wrong, segment three, this is where you're wrong, segment four, this is where you're wrong, and it's a back and forth. There's people who listen to the show who, I would say we agree maybe 5-10% of the time, on principles, on, on ideas, and on the, way, on the outcomes, but we all have honest conversations, we just disagree. But we can actually have that conversation. Your people are still good. The thing about your people is you're looking at the social media. You're looking at true 5% of the population, 2% of the population, 10% of the population who are the most vocal, who are the most animated, who are there just to be there. And you're judging the people who are hardworking, who just, you know, have kids want the best for themselves, want the best for their kids, who are not engaged in politics. I travelled your country last year. I Maybe I because I haven't been there now in a year, maybe things have changed in the last year. But I can't believe your people have changed that much in 365 days, that your people were lovely last year. I, even Democrats, 
I, I was amazed last year when I was traveling. I was traveling. I went to Chicago. I had a wonderful time in Chicago. Chicago was brilliant. I went to the bluest of blue states. No issues. Didn't talk politics, but no issues. They treated me respectfully and I treated them respectfully. That is your people. But here's where we start getting uncomfortable. America is a country that is set up on a set of principles and those principles are very much about the individual. But they're also about the family. If you go back to people who used to be able to vote, go back to the founding era, there are many reasons they had different things. But, you know, usually only property owners could vote. There was reasons for that. But usually the old days as well, there was only one vote per household. Because you were a family. You have major issues facing you right now. You do. The world has major issues facing it right now. The world is going through a crisis. Your world is going through a crisis of magnitude. You're going through a crisis of violence. You're seeing all these violent extremist groups. We've spoken about these in the past. The world is going through you know, all these terrorist groups. All these in England, you know, there's story after story of knifings, of of stabbings. There's videos of people who have been attacked in broad daylight, and people are just there, photo, cameraing it on their phone on social media, seeing someone just get the crap beat out of them, doing nothing, just camera photo videoing it. See, I'm not good at English. The English language struggles with me cameraing it, <laughs> videoing it. The world is going to go through a debt crisis in the next couple of years. Going to go through a pension crisis. You have major terrorist states like Iran going to have major. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with North Korea? You have trade major issues. You have Brexit. The world is going through major crisis. For all the baloney and all the crisis that we are going to face over the next couple of years, it's still there is no better time to be alive. You have more opportunities today than you've ever had in the past. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and about the the country and she was like you know i wish it was 1980s again i'm like no i don't i for one personally don't as much as that was a great period of time i couldn't i wouldn't if it was 1980 just think about that 30 years ago if it was 1980 i wouldn't know five percent about what i know about america the reason i know so much about america is the internet through shows through audiobooks I'm able to access things like through Amazon, through founders' writings, their own writings, through Amazon. A lot of them are free. Couldn't do that. I couldn't do this show if it was 1980, 1990. Heck, 2005, I probably couldn't do this show. So we live in times of great opportunities. But you're, as much as we have great opportunities, we need to understand what we're fighting. This battle will manifest itself time and time again in different forms, but it's the same battle over and over again. It is a battle of good versus evil. Liberty versus tyranny. That is what this battle is about. People will make it about sides and about parties and about teams, but it is about a set of principles. As much as America, when you read the founding documents, is about the individual, it's also about the family. There is a reason the family unit is sacred in society. Where other countries spoke about the collective, the collective of the country. 
you know, we spoke last week. We did a did a show which uh, some of y'all seem to enjoy, which was great on democracy and where you know the Queen has her armed forces and your your Majesty's royal forces, special forces. But they're all for your Majesty. They're all for the Queen. It's all about the collective. It's all about the country. America was about the family, because your founders understood something truly critical at your, at the times you're founding. When your founders signed the Declaration of Independence, they weren't signing a Declaration of Independence. They were signing a death warrant. They also knew that there was a great chance one of two things would happen. One, they'd be tried for treason and and hung. Or two, that even if they did win, there was a chance a large chunk of of those founders would not get to witness the greatness of America. In many ways, they didn't. They didn't get to see America fulfill its promise. When you make things about the family, you are sacrificing. If you're a parent, you get this. Where you want your kid to have every opportunity. You would do anything for your kid to have a better life. What's incredible, just from a psychological point of view, you know, there's been many tests done on this. Even though most parents can have an expectation for their kids to have more opportunities and have more advancements in society and witness more advancements in society than they'll ever dream of, they will still sacrifice for them to have that betterment. The family unit is about, hey, I may not be be able to survive this, but I'm going to make the sacrifice for a brighter tomorrow. How many people are willing to sacrifice right here, right now, for your offspring or the next generation to have more freedom? If I told you right now, if you have a set of principles, which you have in your founding principles, the founding documents, but you will never get to see them, but your kids will, would you be willing to make that sacrifice? Would you be willing to do it? Would you be willing to make that sacrifice for the opportunity for them to be a brighter tomorrow? The history, the historical answer, each and every time for every American generation, has been yes. It's why we salute those who fight. Those who serve each and every week in this show. Because they are the best of America. They are best of society. You know, you think of the times through all the wars. Think of, we, let's go, since we talked a lot about the founding fathers. Think about all the people who do- died in the Revolutionary War. Think about the sacrifices they made, those men and women. You know, we tend to ro- dramatize and romanticize the founding principles and the founding era. It was not fun. Especially if you were under George Washington in the Revolutionary War. It was not a fun time. It was not a fun experience. It's not something you'd sign up for. If, the, if, the, if George Washington and all the generals were honest about, hey, this is exactly what you're going to experience, I don't think many people would have signed up for it. Because it sounds, I don't know if you've read it, but it reads like hell. You know, you're going to go off and obviously you get the hoorah and, you know, the emotion. Hey, we're going to go beat the British. We're going to beat the Hessians. Yeah, that's awesome. Then you start talking about the realities of it. You don't have the proper training. You don't have the proper equipment. A large chunk of you are not wearing shoes. When it comes to sleep time, you don't have the proper blankets and the proper bedding. As that battle drew on, you have the emotions of defeat after defeat. You know, you're going to go beat the British. Great, awesome, let's go beat them. And then you go engage them and you get your ass whooped. 
and then you got to retreat. And then you got to engage them again, and you get your ass whooped, and you retreat. That doesn't sound like fun. That sounds like hell. And then as the battle draws on, you're tired, you're cold, you're miserable. You have the same bland, boring food. You're seeing the British and you're hearing the British sing and knowing they have port and rum. And then as it gets to winter, it gets even colder and colder. It becomes one of the harshest winters in the, of that time. It's so harsh, the, the River Trenton is frozen. It's a really, really harsh winter. The harsh winter played a reason in why you won. But it's a harsh winter. No clo- no shoes. No, Not the proper bedding. Does that sound like fun? Yet people did it. As they fought on and fought on and had to retreat. They saw their best friend maybe die. They saw their brother die. They maybe saw their father die. Someone they got close to just because they both signed up together. Die. Does that sound like fun to you? But yet they continued on. You see this time and time again. If you want a more recent example, World War II. Or if you want a more recent example, the war in in Afghanistan and Iraq. You see this time and time again. There are people who sign up for these wars. Who sign up to serve because they see something bigger than themselves. They're not just about, hey, me. Because let's be honest and let's make this about 2018. If you're signing up to the military right now, you're not signing up for anything great. You're not signing up for the money. You sure as hell ain't signing up for the fame and the fortune. You ain't signing up to be respected in society because you'll be despised. You're not signing up because of the free tuition or the the great medical care that you get. Why are you signing up? You're signing up because you're seeking to do something different. Something and make a better tomorrow. We can debate the war in Iraq and Afghanistan another time. But people are signing up, or have signed up in the past, to be part of something bigger. How many people are willing to do that now? The last thing I want to talk to you about, and I don't know how to talk to you about this without talking to you as a Christian. You know, you are a country set up on... As much as we talk about principles and nature's law, you look at your founding documents, it is clear you were a Judeo-Christian nation. You cannot make that mistake. The message that is in your Declaration of Independence, in your founding documents, you can link to Scripture. Time and time and time and time again. The key part of your founding, which is so forgotten today, was before there was a Declaration of Independence, before there was a Constitution, before there was a Revolutionary War, there was your pulpits. And they were on fire, standing and teaching what was right, principles, God's law, nature's law. The founders didn't poll test words well. Do you think we should write all men are created equal? Does, does that sound good? No, they they got that from your Bible. They got that from scriptures. They got that from a pulpit. And everyone knew it. It was self-evident to them. All people are created equal. Yeah, of course. Duh. Everyone got that. How do you want to fight Because if you read history, especially if you read it as a Christian, apologies if this triggers or annoys anyone, but this needs to be said. Why was Jesus rejected? 
Why was Jesus rejected? Time and time again, man has made the same mistake. Jesus was rejected for many reasons, but in part because everyone thought when the second when the second coming is coming, happening, it'll be a soldier. It'll be someone to right all the wrongs. To, to put people in their place. And then Jesus comes along and talks about love and sits with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. And everyone's like, I thought we were getting a warrior. I thought we were getting someone, you know, the great equalizer. No, just Jesus. There he is in his, in his sandals. Going talking about love again. Man has this nature of wanting revenge. Of putting people in their place. It's a very human thing to do. But how do we get past it? If you want to be a Judeo-Christian nation. And let me just speak to the Christians right now. I'm not telling you to go talk a life. I'm going to tell you go live a life. What is happening right now. In large part is because your pulpits have gone quiet. Or your pulpits don't talk about what they're supposed to. Because in our own in our own house. We have the same crap. The same bullshit. Yes I said it. The same bullshit that we have in outside society. Where we divide each other. How can we expect the human race to get along and ignore race and ignore classes and ignore genders and sexualities and politics and everything else and just talk about e pluribus unum when Christians can't do that? When Christians who have the same God who claim Jesus as their Savior, who have scriptures as a gift from God, but yet, well, I'm Catholic and you're Protestant, you're different. When we have that baloney, how can we even talk to the world? When there are Christians been slaughtered in the Middle East and you do nothing about your fellow Christians, how can we have a conversation with anyone else? There are people who take this message and say, John's given up. Do I sound like someone who's wanted to give up? I just want to talk to you about how to fight. But not fight as in a physical altercation. I want to talk to you about fighting with principles. Because right now, the world is screaming out for principles. And for someone to say, these are principles. I am willing to live and die for them. There is no pick and mix. These are consistent. Whether I win, whether I lose, these are eternal principles. They are for everyone. There is no, well, are you, are you Christian enough? Or are you, are you belong, do you belong to the right race? Or do you have the right family background? Or do you have the right education? Or do you have the right job? No, these are for everyone. The world is devoid of principles right now and it needs us. Historically, right now, whether we like it or not, I wish this was a different case. The only country that has ever spoken about principles is America. About nature's law and nature's God. Every other country has spoken about democracy. And well, it's whatever the people say. If the people say, let's tax you at 90%, well, and the people vote, well, that's what happens. If the people decide to come together and say, you know what, we need all this, all this branding on alcohol and we need to have this, because this is actually happening in Ireland right now, we've new alcohol legislation, you know, we, you know, um, publicans can't give to GAA clubs over here, and um, you're going to have this branding where, you know, because alcohol causes cancer, 
you're going to have all these new regulations where if we move it from one meters to five meters away from normal food in a supermarket, people will buy less. We need to get off this drinking culture. It'll all be about government. Well, that's the way the government said. You know, the government's elected to do it. If you don't like it, elect a new government. The world is based on man's law. We need a set of principles. And not left principles or not right principles, but eternal principles. Principles that you're willing to say, I am willing to die for these. And I don't care if I win or lose. These are true. When your founders signed that Declaration of Independence, they did not think they were winning. I'm sure they had dreams about winning. My God, how great would it be to the British, to defeat the British. How awesome would it be? A lot of them knew they probably wouldn't see it. And in fact, a lot of your people who signed the Declaration of Independence didn't do it. But they understood the sacrifice that was needed to be made. And you know another reason why your founders are so great? Because the people who made that sacrifice were the very people who did not have to. Your founding fathers, like George Washington, you think George Washington needed to sign up to be the leader of the Continental Army? He had everything man could want. He had money. He had stature. He had land. He was known. He could have just sat that one out and no one would have blinked an eye. People like John Adams. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago at the Boston Massacre. Where he could have just said, you know, I'm not representing those British troops. I, 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 I am not crazy. He represented them. And he got them acquitted. And you, as we wrote, as he spoke about in the show, some of the stuff he said. Because it was about acting with honor. It was about principles. Look, you can choose whatever path you want to choose. You're not my enemy. But what are you willing to stand for? And are you willing to stand for it even if you're told you're going to lose? Because tomorrow, your tomorrow might bring a better day. Your kids, your grandkids might have a better future because you sacrificed. Are you willing to do that? Because your history says yes. And track record still counts for something. Now maybe this is the first generation of Americans that says, Nah, I'm not up for it. Maybe. But I will have to see it to believe it. Because let me remind you once again who you are. You are the country that made the impossible possible. No one thought you had a chance of beating the Hessians. You did. Then when you fought them again in 1812... Everyone said, ah, well, lightning's not going to strike. Oh, crap, it did. It did strike twice. Then a civil war happened. The world, the country was going to be torn apart. The country was going to be never overcome. It took a lot longer than anticipated, but you did. You're the country who survived the Great Depression. You're the country who said, you know what? Let's put a man on the moon. You did. You have overcome so much. There was a time when this world was said, you know what, the only way you win the Cold War is by accepting a a not-so-distant form of democratic socialism. Ronald Reagan, through the American people, won the Cold War without a missile being fired. That is your history, not mine, yours. It is time to double down on principles. It is a time to show the American people what is true. Because I ask you this question, 
And it's an uncomfortable question to ask yourself. I started this by talking about the American people, if they're given two choices, true good and true evil, they will always choose true good. If you believe in the America's founding principles, if you believe in the Constitution, if you believe in the Bill of Rights, if you believe in the Declaration of Independence, when was the last time the American people were given that choice? Or is it always the same choice over and over again? Sophie's choice, true elections. Always true elections. The lesser of two evils. You've got to vote for this guy. You've got to vote Republican. The Republicans have to have the House. The Republicans have to have the Senate. You have to vote for this person because they're the lesser of two evils. They're not Barack Obama. They're not Hillary Clinton. When was the last time the American people were given the choice of real good and real principles versus real evil? Because all I see right now is the American people been given a load of Sophie's choices. And I'm not telling you how to vote. This is not about how you vote. This is about a choice in life. When was the last time America was given the choice between free markets and what you have? All I ever see is control trade or government-run trade. No one ever talks about free trade anymore. Where's the Milton Friedman? Where's the Hayek? Where's the von Mises of the day? Don't see them, do you? You see two arguments made that are all about the same, but not about principles. I'm not talking about giving up. I'm talking about doubling down. And understanding now more than ever, you need your founding fathers' principles. You need their honor. You need their integrity. Because if you make this about sides, as I'm going to share with you the most one of the more troubling stories from DC this week, not about Brett Kavanaugh, but about your country and your finances, shows if you make this about sides, you're going to lose. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, we're on every major platform: SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Omni FM, Castbox. If you happen to listen on iTunes, please give us a five-star review or any review. Leave us a, a written review as well. It helps the algorithm. It helps us keep growing. We're growing each and every week, and that's because of you. And for that, I'm eternally thankful for giving me this opportunity. I've been talking to you about your country all day long, but I want to talk to you about a principle right now. If you make things about sides, I said you will lose. Here's why. And I've got proof. It's now October in 2018. And any time October turns around, the end of the fiscal year in D.C. comes to an end, the, the end of September. What I'm about to tell you if I tell it to you, should make you angry as hell. The fiscal year 2017-2018 added $1.2 trillion to the debt. The Republicans hold the House, Republicans hold the Senate, and the Republican is in the White House. Yet you have just combined for one of the largest debt increases in a year 
in the history of mankind. Let me repeat that for you. You have just added more to your national debt in one calendar year than in most history of all mankind. It's not the biggest increase, but it's right in the top five, I think, of mankind. Let me give you some figures just to wake you up. Your national debt right now is $21.6 trillion. Let me read that out for you in actual numbers because trillion just doesn't seem to do it justice. If you were to write this number down on a piece of paper, you would write 216-000-000-000-000-000. There are many reasons I want to be an American. I've spoken about this at length. There's one reason I don't want to become an American. Because if I came American tomorrow, my debt, because I'm an American, would be $65,732. That's the debt per citizen. But because some people are old and some people are young, that's not really a fair reflection. The debt per taxpayer is $177,222 of your national debt. To put this into context, the interest alone, the interest, forget, you know, everyone wants to talk about spending and military spending and Medicare and Social Security and all those type of things. The interest, because you have been fiscally responsible for so long now, the interest alone on the debt, let me say it to you in numbers, is 350, 352, 000, 000. That's $350 billion in interest alone on the debt. Can you imagine what you could do with that $350 billion if you didn't have to pay interest on the debt? But that's only your national debt. That's only what you've spent so far. You also have unfunded liabilities, which is Social Security, Medicare. Your unfunded liabilities... Is 114 trillion, nearly 115 trillion. By the time you're listening to this, it mightn't be far off 115 trillion. That's 943,126 dollars per taxpayer. To put this into context, the average industrial wage in America is it hovers, but it's somewhere between 30 and 40 thousand dollars, I believe. Could be wrong in that figure, but let's say it's 50 thousand dollars the average person earns. If every taxpayer gave their wages at 100% and took no pennies home, you would not clear the national debt. It would take three years to clear the national debt. Your debt is over 100% of the gross domestic product. Basically what everyone earns, every company earns, every corporation earns, every small business earns, every individual earns in one year. If you take all of that at 100%, you still don't pay off the debt. If you make this about sides, about left versus right, and just defeating the left, and not about principles, and this continues, you're you're done as a country. They're, they're, and I don't mean this as you're done as a country. I mean you are done. The laws of economics may stretch, but they don't break for anyone. They are as consistent as principles. They are consistent as nature's law. 
The laws of economics do not break. Truth be told, if you want one positive about your country, about this debt, if you had said to me 20 years ago, America in 2018 is going to be $21.5 trillion in debt, I would have said the country's dead. The country's done. The country's over. The reason I would have said that is because I would have been consistent. Because I remember... It, for those of you who are younger, who are listening to this show, there used to be a clock in Manhattan. And it was the debt clock. And I remember saying to all my friends, going, America will get its act together on the debt. And that, the reason, that, and it was faulty logic at the time. But I remember, because I looked at the debt clock in Manhattan, because I used to go to New York. And I used to see this debt clock all the time. And I always thought it was hilariously funny. It was like, it's so American, you know, to have a clock with your national debt in, like, Times Square. It's normally something you'd keep secret, but, you know, we're in New York, which is a big tourist hub. There you go. Here's our national debt. We're proud of it. But I remember always thinking, America will get its act together. Because what's going to happen is you're going to just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. And eventually you're going to hit $10 trillion in debt. And that clock has to come down. When that clock comes down and that's no longer part of New York and New the New York, you know, era, people will go... Why did we take the clock down? Yeah, we, we, we didn't have enough digits on it. Oh, maybe that's not a good economic thing to have, you know, that we've ran out of zeros on the debt clock. When you got to 10 trillion, I thought that was surely going to happen. Nope. Then Obama came to power and you had the GOP and you had the Democratic House in 2008 to 2010 and they just spent like crazy. Just kept going. Continued on George Bush's spending. Got even worse and worse and worse. But now Donald Trump is president, GOP has the House and the Senate, and spending just keeps coming. Last week there was a big bill, a big omnibus. All this, everything is funded. Nobody talked about it. If Obama had signed what was signed last week by Donald Trump because of what was passed in the Congress, if a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate had passed what Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell passed a couple of weeks ago, there would be a new Tea Party. There'd be people having rants. Talk radio would be all afire. Who's talked about it? Is it cool anymore to talk about the debt? Is it cool anymore to say, hey, we're $21.6 trillion in debt. We need to get our act together. Every taxpayer owes $177,000. Can you afford to pay $177,000? Can your neighbor afford that? These are the problems that you face. If you make this about sides, both sides, here's the truth. Both sides in D.C., Republicans, Conservatives, Democrats, Liberals, everyone you want to name sucks when it comes to debt. They all love borrowing your money. Or sorry, they don't actually love borrowing your money. They love borrowing in your name. And what makes it more despicable is they're not just borrowing in your name. They're borrowing in your kid's name, in your grandkid's name, who are yet to be born. And they're burdening them with that so they can pay and get elected. If there was one issue that should piss everyone off to the height, it's this. Because they are borrowing so much money in your name and you're going to be left with the bill. And who's talking about it? Nobody. Just keeps on going on and on and on. What will it be 2019? Will it be 22.5 trillion? Will it be 23 trillion? At some point, people are just going to say no. At some point, the US dollar is going to be worthless. At some point, you're not going to be able to fund your government. Now, just bear that in mind. 
Anytime there is a chance, a sniff of a chance of a budget not being passed and the government goes shut down, look at the hysteria that causes. Look at the media. Look at how the politicians and all the grandstanding. Think of that times a thousand. If you can't fund your government, not because there's a government shutdown, not because that you can't agree on a budget, but because no one would borrow to you anymore. Because your world, your word is worthless. At some point you have to pay this back. And the truth is, it's not going to be the large chunk of people who are under 30, 35, 40 won't pay this back. It'll be the kids who are 5 and 10 years old. It'll be the kids who are yet to be born. You're saddling them with a large amount of debt. And then you wonder why kids look, there's some reasons why. Kids look at old people today and kind of go, geez, you really screwed this up. There are many reasons you haven't, but this $21 trillion. I remember when Barack Obama said $9.6 trillion was unpatriotic when George Bush did it. I remember people in the Republican Party and people in the Tea Party calling him a hypocrite for what he did. Yet, three branches of government, the House, the Senate, and the, the White House, nothing's changed. Donald Trump has done a lot of good things. And for those who say, well, there's John Goney, he goes off, he gives Donald Trump a bit of credit, and he always has to come back and then say something negative. I actually am a constitutionist. I actually don't blame Donald Trump that much for this. I do blame him for not vetoing those spending bills, because I think he should have done it. He also said he would. The piece, person who I blame for $21.6 and what's happened in the last two years is constitutionally who you should blame. That is not Donald Trump. That is Paul Ryan in the House. Because under the Constitution, you know, that, you know that document that's filled with dust that no one has read in a while? The power of the purse belongs to the House. You want to blame someone? Blame Paul Ryan. Blame Kevin McCarthy. Blame all the people in the Republican. You know, those fiscal conservatives. If you make this about sides, you will lose. Because when you have sides, especially when you have Republicans and Democrats, what's the difference? Let's say Hillary Clinton had won and the Democrats had the House and the Senate. Oh, what would the debt be today? Oh, it might be $22 trillion. Yeah, because $22 trillion is so much worse than $21.6, right? If you make it about sides and parties and teams, you lose. If you go back to what your founder said and make it about principles, it doesn't matter about left or right. It's fiscal responsibility. It's about limited government. It's about Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. It is about federalism. You win. Because as bad and as worried as I am right now for your future, because I am worried about what you're going to do and how you're going to act. I still believe this fundamental statement that there is no problem you can't fix that the American people can't fix. You can fix your debt problems. It just takes the political will and the desire and the pressure from the people to fix it. To follow the Constitution. To follow principles. To follow basic laws of economics. To follow the Constitution where you actually have a budgetary process and reconciliation like you're supposed to have. Where the House comes together and the Senate comes together and you merge a bill. That's supposed to happen. You're supposed to have these debates out on the shop floor. So people can watch, so people can get involved. So people can phone going, hey, I heard you said you should fund this. What the hell are you thinking? 
we don't do that anymore. You don't do that anymore. It's all in the dark of night. A big bill comes together and everyone gets what they want. And then it goes to the president. The president signs it. If you make this about sides, you lose. If you make it about principles, you win. I hope today's show has given you something to think about. I hope it's maybe, if I could be selfish, I hope it's lit a fire under you. This is not over. I know you may feel it's over. But to those of you who are hurting right now, to those of you who are saying it's over, it's not over. There were many times during the Revolutionary War people said it was over. It wasn't. There were many times during your history where they said, you're just never going to come back from this. 9-11 was one of those days. You're never going to come back from this. You have. You can overcome this. But only, only, only if you read your history, not mine, your history, and act with honor and with integrity and with principles, that is how you win. And you may not get to see that win, but your kids will, your grandkids will. And you can be part of a generation that history will remember forever. Can you imagine, if you think it's over right now, can you imagine the history books? And if you actually think it's over and you still sacrifice and you make a difference, can you imagine what the history books will say about this generation? That, my God, they all must have thought it was over. But they still acted and they turned it around for us. They're amazing. Let's remember them. Let's always salute them. Let us, let us treat them how they treated their founders. That is what's at stake. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. We finish up the same way each and every week. By saluting the heroes in society. Not football players, not baseball players. Even though it's Yankees season. Yankees Red Sox this weekend. Go Yankees. They're, they're not heroes. Aaron Judge, as much as I love him, is not a hero. Your police are heroes, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, your vets. The people who are willing to risk it all for an idea. To sacrifice their blood, their sweat, their tears, time with their family for a chance of a brighter tomorrow. To serve others. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. America is great because Americans are good. You are the secret sauce that holds everything together. Never, ever forget that. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern America. Have a great week. God bless. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.